1: Hello, and welcome back to Soft Black Woman, presented by The batches Up. I'm your host, Dr. Keila Kiday, and each and every week on Soft Black Woman, we'll be talking about a range of topics from pop culture to politics to how we live our lives, all through the lens of intersectionality. Each and every week on Soft Black Woman, I'll be joined by a different guest co-host who will help me break down these stories. And this week, I'm very excited to introduce my guest. Idris Argandawal. Idris is the co-founder and chief marketing officer of the Oakland Roots and Soul Soccer Teams, or the Oakland Roots and Soul Soccer Club, as we like to call it. Um, It's a purpose-driven men's and women's soccer teams that seek to harness the magic of Oakland and the power of the sports, as well as a social force for good, basically... The Oakland Roots and Soul are the only sports club in the United States of America that has purpose, which is a big deal. Idris's past lives also include Apple, BET, Diddy's assistant, and just (laughs) being the coolest person in town, or should we say Sean Combs or Love or whatever he goes by now.
2: Whatever his name is now. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good morning. Okay. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you. It's always a blessing when when we connect. So <laughs> thank you.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, we just had our birthdays last week. So it yep. is Virgo season, Virgo Central in here. Um, which is why the recording started approximately on the dot. So <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> thanks, Virgo. Very nice. You're welcome <laughs> for being here. So we have a lot to talk about. There's some really cool and exciting things happening with the Oakland Roots and Soul Sports Club um, that we'll get to in a bit. There's a lot of interesting things happening in the sports world and news and all that fun stuff. So we'll start with uh, the first segment, For the Culture. We call it For the Culture because this is the part of the show where we examine some of the top trending pop culture and media headlines. And our first subject for today is... Good old Spain and their women's soccer coach uh, fired amid unwanted, you know, the World Cup kiss fallout. So, for those of you who may or may not remember, the Spanish women's soccer team appointed its first ever female head coach after the predecessor, George Vilda, was fired on the same day amid ongoing fallout of the kiss that happened with Luis Rubales, who kissed Jennifer Hermosa on August 20th. And so I know that was probably a lot, but the coach who supported the leader of the whole soccer organization was fired and replaced by a woman. Her is currently on a 90-day suspension for the kiss situation. Jennifer Hermosa has come out and said that no, it was not a consensual kiss. And the whole like, Organization was trying to spin it as if it was like, oh, they're friends and that's what they do, but she was the only one who got a kiss, so there was that. Um, so we're in the situation where um, the new first ever female head president, Tome is her last name, so Montes Tome. Um, she'll be the first woman in charge of the women's national team of Spain, and we'll have her debut match later this month um, against Sweden. This was the kiss literally heard all around the world. And for the listeners, there's been a whole campaign over the past year around the treatment of the soccer organization and like RuBallis and some other executives. So this is a long going situation. So it's great they're making change. It's great that there's a a uh, first ever woman um, soccer head coach, but not anything the Oakland Roots and Soul would do. <laughs> what are your thoughts?
2: <laughs> well, it's just a bummer that like on the largest scale in the world, in the biggest tournament in the world, Spain does an incredible thing. I think in the prior world cup, they ended up being or placing, you know, bottom five in the tables, but then turn it around in a short four years and develop a team and they put together a team that is able to compete at the highest level in the entire world and win it, end up winning it. And then the epitome of, of that and, and like the celebration of that is completely demolished and taken over by yet another male that is wanting the world to revolve around him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a classic case of how still in this world today we have deep rooted systemic issues. Um, males are not there yet, and I think there's a lot of work to do in the game of soccer, specifically on the women's side. Um, we saw this movement happen in the United States. Um, we saw that the way in which we were building was not the right pathway in the right way. And that had dismantled and is now in the rebuild phase. And I think it's important that, you know, now that we're at this moment in time, it's like, how do we do this intentionally? How do we do this correctly? Especially for us, like we're a purpose oriented organization trying to lead the way and change the The perception of how sports are built and how sports are ran. It doesn't have to be this like testosterone driven, you know, put your head through a wall for someone mentality. You can be kind, generous. You can be caring, yet you can still be competitive and win on the field. Those things do not have to be detached. And furthermore, you don't have to be sexist or, you know, basically all the other things that come along with being in sports. Um, in order to win and, and accomplish fantastic things. And we're just, you know, sports is still a very new concept. If you think about how we've been building these structures and how we've been building leads. And so, look, it's, it's a super unfortunate moment, but like we got to use these opportunities to build intentionally and do it right as we progress. Because the women's game is only starting. Mm-hmm. We saw, you know, the United States at the epitome of their game and now all these other countries are catching up in talent in our deploying systems in their countries that are allowing younger women to develop into some of the best athletes in the world again if you look at semifinals finals like these teams did not comprise of the united states going far and dominating and so the world is catching up and it's amazing to see but sometimes when you're moving fast you miss some of the details and the details are that there's still systemic problems so again it's it's frustrating it's infuriating these women worked really really hard to accomplish this once in a lifetime task and opportunity and then that's completely taken away from them because of a dude that is not only power hungry but truly cares about his ego only in that moment on the world stage and could you imagine like if that's happening on the world stage with My all the cameras, then what the fuck is happening <laughs> behind the scenes? And I'll tell you, you know, there's the world has a lot of catching up to do. My little sister, I don't know if you're aware, Akilah, but she was the captain of the Afghanistan national soccer team, played in, in Florence, played in Germany at the highest levels. And she saw injustices that were occurring in Afghanistan. and was a part of the movement to um, really kind of like, change the game in Afghanistan and, and focus on the rights of women, specifically in sports, because that's the the vertical that she was operating in. And and look, it, it, there's there's a lot of male dominated spaces that aren't being ran right. And I think we gotta flip that script. So, anyways, I got on my soapbox there, but that was a really good soapbox. Yeah, <laughs> appreciate <laughs> it, but um, but yeah, no, I mean again, we have to be relentless. So here's here's my thing, and the last thing I'll say on it is like. Generally, people that do bad things are relentless in their pursuit of doing those things. And I think it's important for listeners, for us, to consider being relentless in our pursuit of being good. And sometimes that means being tough. Sometimes that means being strong on our values and ideals. But this world ain't going to change if we allow for the people creating bad systems to shit on us throughout the process. So yeah, I'm ready for it.
1: Yeah. This is why you're one of my favorite people. That there's a gym with maybe a t shirt in there with relentless. Something to think about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think what you point out is, is really important is um power and privilege and how yeah, that shows up. For sure. Right. So when you have this opportunity for celebration and you have, you know, this person who knows they have so much power who's like, I'm gonna kiss you in front of everyone. Yeah, what is happening behind the scenes? And to have a championship team without a lot of their players. I mean, you know, they were able to get their players back, but they had 10 plus players leave because of the treatment of the organization. Right. So and to win, it was a moment to definitely celebrate. There was already sadness that was in there because they couldn't be with some of their players because, you know, their values and their morals and where they wanted to be. And, and, you know, however a player decides how they show up, because there's so much sacrifice in there. That's absolutely fine. That's something that can be. Um, celebrated, right. but you also mentioned the um, U.S. women's soccer team, who, when they won World Cup, had to fight mm-hmm. for equal pay, <laughs>
0: right? Yeah. So it's the
1: same yeah. thing. So they had more time for celebration, but they're like, we are better than the men, and we get pennies. You know what I mean? Compared compared to them, and yeah. so I think that's why I, w- I would love for you to talk a little bit more about you know the Oakland roots and soul. Soccer club, and how there's a focus on purpose because yeah. purpose is one way that you're not in that situation that we see with other football and, and soccer clubs. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it's not an easy pathway. You know, being purpose oriented means that you often have to take the long road and the difficult road when you're trying to accomplish tasks, right? Every step becomes you know, 10 steps longer. As an example, in 2019, when we started our organization, we moved into our first office spaces. There was, you know, debate in the office around where we would buy the coffee table that's in our office because our tagline is Oakland first always, right? So are we going to go to Ikea, which does have some benefit to local government and economics, but, or do we go to a small mom and pop shop that, will benefit and see the, the the fruit from whatever they're doing. Right. And so, you know, those are the decisions even from like a coffee table level that we're, we're having in our, in our office day to day. And I think it's, it's needed and it's never happened in sports the way we're pursuing it. Generally, you know, the purpose arm or the nonprofit arm of a professional sports team is like ran by the, owner's wife and it's just a fun for tax write-offs, you know what I mean? And that's just not how we're building our organization. We're building it with intent from the the foundation level all the way up. And it starts with empowering people in the right positions that believe in the same values. So, you know, we're one of probably three teams in the entire USL, if not soccer in America, that have a, a woman at the helm in mm-hmm. Lindsay Barron's, you know, we have two black men in positions of soccer power mm-hmm. um, in our technical staff of which there's probably four in the United States, mm-hmm. right? It starts with those intentional decisions. You know, it's our crib, it's our organization. Why can't we choose the direction it takes? And I think the blessing here is that we've tactfully built an investor group that believes in that vision. And that makes our decision-making that much easier. right? When we make a decision, it's not about profit, it's about purpose. Knowing that purpose leads to profit, and I think that's the large misconception that exists out there in the world. People think purpose and profit are detached. We did an exercise in 2020 during the pandemic around, hey, what are the most important things to our organization to just calibrate internally is it purpose is a profit is it winning soccer is it brand and the people that put profit ahead of purpose are just obviously not a part of the work anyway <laughs> so <laughs> so that's just you have to be again relentless in the pursuit of what you want and once you're locked into that vision you have to um, you have to really go after it and luckily you know Steve and Barney other investors 70 plus now believe in our vision and we try to instill that every day and a QA. It ain't perfect. Like every single day we're going through battles because there's that much scrutiny on our decision making as we progress. However, I think when you have one shot at living this life and you have one shot at building things, why not build it in a way that challenges assumptions, changes the game, flips the script and leaves a mark? And that's, Mm -hmm. that's what we try to do. So again, not perfect, but um, Oakland will hold us accountable. And we also have that benefit of like calibrating with the community as we progress. So,
1: I mean, it's it's definitely pretty close. I, I love how you're talking about purpose and profit, because they can be connected and there can be a value add. It's the same thing for clients when I help them with diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Like, you can also make money by caring about people. You can also make money about having a healthy work environment. And that also can happen with purpose.
3: Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click
1: Purpose and Profit leads us to Yeezys. <laughs> so.
2: I, I, I can't believe these are things on the headlines nowadays. Like, I almost wish that we should, like, yeah, I, I wish it was more positive.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I think I'm really interested in your take here because the second drop of Yeezys is coming out. So for those who don't know, you know, anti-Semitism, racism, Adidas still with was Yeezy Kanye West. Um, it'll always be Kanye West. Uh, i But I can respect his name of Yeezy. So, or what is it? What is his name? Who's this? What is his name now? Yay! Yay! yay. Sorry. See, yeah. I, I don't even have brain space for it. So, yay! <laughs> um, <laughs> so, when Adidas parted ways, they had a shit ton of Yeezys left over, and they still needed to sell them mm-hmm. because they were already made, and they needed to make money. So. Adidas is releasing more Yeezys this week via online sales and having a portion. Portion's always a fun word for me. A portion of their profits are going to an organ or like proceeds. I don't know how much are going to fight anti-Semitism. So they're still selling the shoes, but money will go to fight anti-Semitism, which, you know. Yay was doing some horrible things there. Rabbi Bradley Shavit Artson said that he wasn't planning on buying a pair of Yeezys himself, but he also doesn't see the value of wasting the labor and material that went to making them. He continued to say that anti-Semitism, like all forms of bigotry and hate, must be actively resisted by all of us. This move will raise funds for that fight without minimizing his vile words. And so... And, you know, I, I personally, like a lot of other products would donate them <laughs> yeah. and, you know, yeah. um, take the, the loss. Adidas could have also just made a donation to any, you know, any organization that fights bigotry and hate. I think yeah. all of that's important. I feel that there's still validation in his product being out in the world because he hasn't held himself accountable. He hasn't really been held accountable. People are just like, I'm not going to work with you. He's still doing horrible things. Who knows what's going to happen in this election year um, coming up. And I feel I'm the person who's like, well, if you're wearing a shoe, does that mean you're fine with the things that he's saying? Or can you only wear the shoe for a certain time period of releases before he went into, you know? Yeah. Complex. Mm -hmm. Highly
2: complex. Well, let's start with like, Adidas has no shortage of capital, right? Ivy Park. So, well, you know, and so if you think about like, yes, the Yeezy product was a significant part of their brand identity the past five years. If you look at the growth of Adidas post Ye or Yeezus or Kanye when he joined, you know, the the you know, the sales skyrocketed, right? The organization was seeing all-time numbers. The Yeezus brand was probably the the biggest thing out there in the past five years as it related to kind of pushing the fashion envelope. So what I will say is they they benefited billions of dollars Mm -hmm. from that transaction. And though painful to have to sit on a shit ton of product, I do think that, like you said, donating and or having a different mechanism of release would have, I think, been a bit more respectable. And I'll tell you why. Like this is a, it's a big PR play to say that you're still going to sell them, but donate a percentage of the proceeds to XYZ. At the end of the day, it becomes a bottom line thing in a numbers game. And. To make a clear statement, I think, especially at Adidas' level, like doing something that moves the needle in a way that hasn't been done before, this is partially why like we're trying to do what we're doing in our club. you know I just I feel like there's there's ways to do that, but then they conform to the same kind of methodology, which is like, oh, we're still going to sell the product and give millions of people whatever this product is and have a brand live out there in the real world because we have to fulfill a bottom line. And because we're sitting on a shit ton of this in our inventory, you're a billion dollar corporation with significant voice in culture. There are certain ways to navigate this pathway. And again, I totally get it. This is like the business, the business in me because I've, Mm -hmm. you know, I've got my MBA. I totally get the game, (laughs) but Imagine, and I use the the Colin Kaepernick example with Nike as like, you know, this is an interesting kind of case where like, you know, Nike drops an ad with no call to action. There's no link to buy. There's, There's no product of Colin Kaepernick that exists out there in the world. They take an extreme risk knowing that obviously, you know, they're catering to a certain demographic that appreciates their product. But at the end of the day, it's a massive organizational risk to do such a thing. I think that ad changed the trajectory of how we see media marketing playing a role in societal issues. And this, to me, screamed like, oh, we just got to make make the money off the product since the relationship is no longer in existence. And donate. the donate portion is absolutely amazing. And I fully yeah, I love that money is going to the cause. It's the notion of the product existing out there and mm-hmm. this human being also doing things in the real world, even to today, you know, like he's out in Venice acting a fool. Like <laughs> there's things like that, that like, you just like, man, this man is living with no remorse or maybe he is, I don't really fully know, but the products out there and people are rocking it, you know, it's interesting.
1: I mean, it's very interesting. I am very proud to say um, that White and Kennedy came up with that ad, and they're one of my clients for Colin Kaepernick. Oh, that's awesome. And I think it was one of the best ads that we've ever seen, you know, and marketing campaign. And that was also the first time um, Nike had a whole campaign of an unsigned, unactive um, athlete. But it shows you the power of his Brand and wanting to make a change, and then for Nike to make a stance supporting Black Lives Matter, to do that was also very, very powerful. And I think yeah. we have to take these things. and His his jersey sold out. He had subsequent jobs that sold out. I have one of the jerseys, which I post every year on Super Bowl Sunday for folks to try to get it,
2: but it sold out.
1: <laughs> well, I we're in each other's lives now, so now I'll be on the lookout for things. like <laughs> Perfect.
2: Yeah. <laughs> And, and there's also a killer, like the sustainability component as well. So Patagonia and I hate to bring it up because like everyone in SF in the Bay Area is rocking it now. And <laughs> it's like, bro, I'm tired of the tech bros rocking Patagonia, but yes. you know, there's, there's an example of an advertisement they had a few years ago when they said, you know, it's just like a picture of a Patagonia jacket and the ad said, you don't need to buy this or something of that sort. Mm-hmm. And they were sending a message of like, quality over quantity you know like if mm-hmm. you have something rock it until it's done or get it stitched or fixed like there's no need to participate in this like rapid consumerism that we're now accustomed to and i thought that was a shift in how corporations are approaching sustainability too and patagonia kind of has led the way in conser- conserving land in the patagonia area and i think Yvonne, the founder and ceo like donated I don't know how much that figure was—billions of dollars—to preserve land in the hopes that people will think about how purpose and profit are connected. You know, mm-hmm. and might get us our chief purpose officer. We'll talk about this all day, but there's a real case that, like, you put on for humanity, humanity will support you. You right. try to cheat humanity and like mess around with them, they will do the same to you. And the the way to build loyalty is to to firmly like understand that what you develop is what people buy and you have a duty and responsibility to ensure that you're doing that authentically, you know? So again, not easy, but.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I think the thing I'm struggling with is that um, Adidas parted ways with Kanye West when he started saying horrific things about the Jewish community they did not part ways with him when he wore his White Lives Matter shirt. So I always like to highlight that there's also kind of privilege in how they're showing up now. And they're choosing to give money to only, you know, one type of organization for anti-Semitism, which is also very important. But we also have the erasure of how Kanye West was saying and spewing, and still does, spew a whole bunch of horrific things about black people. I know it's complicated for some people because it's like, well, Kanye West is black or Yay is black. Mm-hmm. But oppressed people can't oppress people. And so there was a choice hurt there. people
2: hurt people. yeah, Exactly. Absolutely.
1: There was a absolutely. choice there that, you know, I'm like, okay, we could have done something different. And then also Adidas could have given 100% of the proceeds to an organization because what a lot of people don't know but Idris does is that Anytime you're giving proceeds away, it's a tax write-off for that company. And so they're purposely preparing for a potential loss or then they have a loss of business. But that means there's more investment because they're overall, you know, um, uh, over they're making less money. They can justify a loss by donating money and it helps their bottom line and they can keep more money in their pockets. And so that's the other thing to keep in mind, you know, um, as we put on our like marketing hats that are there so yeah great messaging and branding but how can someone actually be authentic about it so that their actions and words match right so if you're what who made it who made the decision that only jewish people could count as the offended group why wasn't it black people you know and maybe if it was struggles yeah right maybe if it was black people adidas wouldn't even have been in the situation of how jewish people were also harmed And it's not that one group is better than the other, but it's just, yeah.
2: You know, Adidas makes billions of dollars off of marketing with black individuals. Mm
1: -hmm. So
2: it's 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 just (laughs) a funny dynamic. How you know you could you could look at every corporation you know that like works with black and brown folks. You know, there's probably a strong handful of you know not. Black and brown people working for those organizations. You know? So the the it's, yeah. you know the hypocrisy is is pretty amazing at all levels. And um, yeah, I think accountability only works when it's both ways, and it only works when it's it's productive and there's a positive output. And so I really like me talking about Adidas isn't going to move the needle. It's not going to. It's not. Maybe it will. You know, maybe maybe we have the the voice and the reach. Maybe it will, right? But I think my where my head always lands and my heart always lands is like I can control what I can control. And what I can control is the project that we're building right now. And my hope is that this actually sets a standard for how inclusivity is seen in sports, diversity is seen in sports. Um and 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 if we can do that, then we set the, the standard for what professional sports is and can be. And Oakland has done that historically, mm-hmm. you know, Black Panther movement, the Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter movement. I mean, it's been the hub of political activism since the jump. And we've created not only the standard for culture, in music and political activism but we've done that in sports some of the most iconic sports brands were birthed not necessarily birth but really flourished in oakland california and so you know the hope is we can we can be that change and move the needle in our domain and then if we can influence a hundred thousand a million ten million other people um throughout our trajectory then that's when i think the world starts to shift a little bit but yeah
1: uh, the shift. An exciting headline to read. Oakland Roots and Soul Sports Club announces a community investment round giving fans the chance to own their club. And so, um, tell us about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, so kind of like perfect segue, um, <laughs> given that we're talking about purpose and and everything. You know, community ownership of a professional sports team in America is a bizarre concept. Generally, you know, a person will become significantly successful, become a billionaire, and then they will play high stakes fantasy in owning a professional team. And generally, all decisions are made at that level with that single individual running those, those decision making matters. And what we are doing is flipping that model on his back and saying, hey, why can't the community own the club that has the community's name in their crest and in their identity? Mm -hmm. And furthermore, how do we not allow this to be just a donation to the club, which we've seen in other models throughout the United States, like the green Bay Packers, right? You give the organization, however much money they give you a certificate back and you're essentially donating funds to (laughs) a cause. Um, or crowdfunding where you provide a company X dollars and they provide you XYZ perks back. No, what we're doing is actually you're investing in real equity, which allows you to participate in the real value upside in the organization's development. So as an example, Aquila, when we first started we were worth zero dollars. Today, you know, we're raising funds at seventy eight million, I think is the figure. Mm -hmm. And the valuation. And so we've seen real value upside in the organization over the course of four or five years. And we hope that continues to rise with Oakland in its name and with our community Mm -hmm. invested in it and participating in that upside. So we're going to be launching our community investment round here in the next week or so. Um, and not going to drop, actually we're safe to drop the name at this point Mm because it should be rolling out. So September 13th is when we're looking (laughs) to uh, take this campaign public and that would enable anyone in our community as well as globally, um, the opportunity to invest in the club with an investment as low as a hundred bucks. So if you're a kid that lives in East Oakland, you have to be 18 or older, um, you know, and you want to own the team that functions in your town, you can do that now. now. And furthermore, you could take that passion and the identity to a, a whole new level as you are an owner. Um, and we have the ability to raise um up to five million. Our goal is to get to two, and that would hopefully result in one of the more successful Crowd, or I shouldn't say crowdfunding, community investment mm-hmm. rounds in American sports history, and you know what? Why not in Oakland? Right? We we keep making headlines, we keep making waves, we keep setting standards, and so we want to be one of the most successful campaigns. And again, I'm, I'm just excited to have people not only at the table. And one of my good friends used this metaphor in a speech at at some point. Shout out Yusuf from Zumzum Zum Water. He said, um, you know. It, you know, it's important to have people at the table, but it's also important to make sure that there's a plate for those people to eat. And Mm -hmm. there's, if you really think about that metaphor, oftentimes a lot of people will hire a creative director XYZ to like Mm -hmm. be at the table or like hire an advisor to be at the table. But it's like, nah, like, are they participating in the real value creation? Right. Are they... Mm -hmm. Are they? Do they have a voice? Do they have a presence? Do they feel important? There's so much more that comes along with that. And so here it is, right? Like, yes, we're a for-profit business. Yes, we are creating significant value. But at the same time, we want the community to participate in that value upside. Mm-hmm. So now you're seeing purpose and profit merge in a way that is meaningful. And I'm I'm not saying we don't want to make money. We have to make money to exist, right? If we don't make money, we're not operable. But we just believe that the way in which you make money is not to like edge people out, cheat them out, et cetera. It's to bring them in and have them be a part of this movement. And so that's on the 13th. And um, there's someone by the name of uh, Dr. Akila (laughs) Kade that has been leading the efforts uh, on our behalf. And I just want to Said on the record that we're very great, you know, we're grateful. Um, and we're just, we have the right person to, to help us lead this effort. So thank you. Appreciate you.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> and then, you know, um, I think actions and words is really important with, with people who are part of the investment group, leadership, who work um, at the Oakland Roots and Seoul. And I'm very honored, myself and my team. Also, you know, women were hired to do this. So you have an all-female team who's um, leading these efforts, which I think is really cool and goes back into to purpose, goes back into, you know, the alignment of doing things differently. Because, you know, it could be a very male-dominated space you know, when working in sports. We've, we've worked in areas of sports. And so, um, but to be on this side is incredibly refreshing. So I want to tell people our little meet cute because it's fun. <laughs> um <laughs> it was last year, I think, or a year and a half ago. I can't remember. We I, I should know what our anniversary is. A client of mine would, uh a former client of mine, I would look at and meet with potential partners in the specifically in Oakland, because y'all know I live in Oakland, um, to see if it was the right fit for this multi-billion dollar brand. And so I was invited to come to the training facility, which is a huge mindfuck because the training facility <laughs> is where the Raiders used to train. And yeah, I yeah. grew up a hardcore Raiders fan, but they betrayed me, like many teams in Oakland and, and leaving leaving the Bay. And so it was like this bittersweet moment, um, but it was, it was great. Anyway, so I was introduced to um, the team, the training facility, but also... Sneak peek announcement of the women's team coming on board. It was last year, yeah. Women's team coming on board. And so Idris, you know, a cool guy. He's very stylish. He's a good looking dude. He's off the market. Thank you. Um, Jeez. I yeah. am a big fan of wifey. Again. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I will I will cut a bitch over anyone who tries to get next to you. Hi, Mosh. Um, but uh <laughs> Idris was talking about these, these two like finalized versions of the crust. And I casually and myself I was like, here's what you missed, or here's what you did wrong, and here's a potential opportunity. And the story is this. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that the origin story of the Oakland Roots, which is the first team and the sports club, um, was supposed to be a women's team. But the way sports work and financing work, it was easier to get a men's team funded than a women's team. And we had to think back, you know, to uh, 2016, 17, 18 on this whole process of, of yeah. um, Idris being one of the co-founders of, of putting this team together and so I was like that has to be your story you have to talk about how the soul it's the origin story and now it's coming to life and now you have this full circle also shout out to Project 510 the development team mm-hmm. um, that's also in the club so I, I gave Idris all this advice, and he was kind of looking at me very confused because I think he thought I was part of the multi-billion-dollar company. I was like, "Oh no, they're my client. I this is what I do. <laughs> I have I have my own company." That did so happen. A, <laughs> I was like, "Wait, <laughs> yeah, like how can you do this? You can't. We we thought we were working a partnership." Um, and so we in Virgo fashion exchanged numbers. I think found out relatively quickly that we're Virgos. I announced that I was a Virgo and that's why I said too much. That's what we did. And then you said you were a Virgo. And then the next Mm -hmm. day Idris texted me and was like, Hey, um, would you like to introduce the crest to the worlds?" And I was like, yes, but what? (laughs) (laughs) And then that's what I did. That's why we like slowly started working together. And then this year, wait, after that, I met with Mike, the chief purpose officer. And I've I've only met two chief purpose officers in my entire life. I've had my business for eight years. It's not a normal uh, chief position, but if you ever see a chief purpose officer at a company, there's a higher probability—not always, but there's a higher probability that they are aligned with valuing people, their clients, their product, sustainability, diversity. There's a higher probability understanding community. And so I was like, okay, Mike's dope. This is this is great. And then all this. All of a sudden, fast forward, I am leading the community investment round. I'm a partner. I'm I've invested in the team. I'm also an owner. And I can't get enough. I literally cannot get enough of, you know, our sports club. And I, I like saying R. I get excited when I see merch. Merch is fantastic. You should go online. I'm wearing some of it now, but um, it's like a whole. Like, it's a whole vibe. As far as the merch, I have a drawer that is just my (laughs) Oakland Roots and Soul stuff. (laughs) Because obviously, I have a lot of clothes. Um, This club, being in Oakland, wanting to plant more roots in Oakland, having community investment, having a collaboration with the Black Panthers. There's um, a men's and women's jersey with the Black Panthers, with Frederica Newton. And if you don't know, that's Huey P. Newton's. Um, widow, and also advocate and champion, and a supermodel to me, and amazing person. Um, We see uh, movements for, um, you know, social justice, anti-racism, the organization We're Not Afraid to Say Anti-Racism at all. And we have dope investors like Marshawn Lynch and and geezy. <laughs> and there's you know collabs with them and more you, coming
2: yeah more exactly.
1: more coming which we're excited to share but like <laughs> if you go if anyone lives in the Bay Area go there's three games left and right three
2: four, four? home games left four home games yeah. left yeah three um, this month one in October
1: one yeah. in October yes. And there was one on my birthday that I missed because obviously everyone knows I was with Beyonce. And I'm really sorry that Sacramento, my hometown, Sac Republic won. Um, <laughs> so I feel like that's all my fault. I know. Oh. I know. It's my bad. <laughs> so I'm, I will talk to them. I will talk to them. Um, but it's uh, if you are in the Bay Area, I highly recommend going and seeing a, an Oakland Roots game. It is one of the best types of experiences to to do that really represents the fabric and culture um uh of Oakland. And so yeah, check out the Oakland Roots and Soul. Um give us a hundred bucks. Uh make it a very successful community investment round led by women for a team that's committed to purpose. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Shameless plug. But I love it. Thank you.
1: <laughs> no problem. Now it's time for Twice as Hard, a segment where we talk about Black people, BIPOC people, Black Indigenous people of color um, who have to work twice as hard to get half as far. So um, we're going to talk about an eye-opening moment to remind you that amongst the softness that we have here in the Soft Black Women Club, um, sometimes it's hard. And so this week, for the first time, Since 1968 of the U.S. Open starting, we had two black men uh, play against each other in a quarterfinal game. So Francis Tiafoe and Ben Shelton, they faced off earlier this week. Um, Tiafoe is a 10th seed um, and Shelton is not seeded, but he won the match. He's going to go on to play Novak, which will be very interesting because he didn't want to get vaccinated to play last year, but, um, to should be an, an incredible game. I love that. Whoever was on the whole marketing and branding event team made sure that they both walked out to Wiz Khalifa's "Weedem boys. Um, I don't know who did that because it's a very, very, <laughs> very, very white organization. <laughs> and I love tennis. I have played tennis since I was five. I used to be part of USTA. Um, It's one of my favorite things to have done. I haven't played uh, recently. But uh, it's really incredible to see more diversity, you know, outside of Serena and, you know, Venus. And um, this is actually, I think, four Black people have made it to, between men and women, have made it to this kind of quarterfinal round since 1968. So there's a lot of firsts happening just want to remind everyone this is twice as hard because it's 2023 and this is a first. So you have these very seasoned, incredible athletes um, who still have to navigate first, still have to navigate the systems and complexity to, uh, to get to the level in which a lot of other athletes are able to get to sooner because they look like they should be playing tennis.
2: Facts. I mean, Yeah, that's that's so, so important. And I admire these athletes so much. You know, I think about like, again, the individuals aside in their personal, you know, lives and characteristics, you know, you think about like the sheer impact of a, and I'll give you another example of like a Lewis Hamilton performing at Mm. F1 level. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you're talking the richest, possibly the richest, most exclusive sport in the entire world. And so, and you have him in the mix of probably what 10 drivers. There's 7 billion people in this world. Mm -hmm. One of the 10 is a black man, you know? So like that, that does a lot to the perception of black and brown kids throughout the world. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he also pulls up you know, cra- with the crazy fits every single <laughs> time. You know, not the traditional polos that every other driver wears, but like pulls up in the craziest fits,
1: makes it a runway.
2: Black and brown artists. It just, I mean, it's incredible when when people use their platform to then amplify other individuals as well. And like walking out to the song, as an example, like all that's very culturally relevant and moves the needle in a way that is you can't put a number to it, right? there's going to be some kid picking up a tennis racket and thinking, how am I going to walk out to this song by Kendrick one day
1: right? or whatever,
2: you know? And so, yeah, it's, it's really exciting and um, I'm here for it. I think the world needs it. And um, we've consistently break broken ceilings and boundaries and barriers over time. And I feel like uh, it's happening more than ever. So yeah, very exciting.
1: It is, and I love how you're, you know, talking about black and brown kids who can see someone they're motivated by, but also these black and brown players have to carry the weight of being one of the few. Like Lewis Hamilton has to carry the weight of being one of the few. Bubba has to carry the <laughs> weight Twice of being one of the few. Yeah, hard. to navigate exactly. and do things, and I mean, I do. I think that I think that of us, um, <laughs> we're in the positions in which you know we're in because we're like we're adults, I guess, but you know you you're a co-founder of a whole ass sports club, you know, like that and you, you aren't the normal person to do that. you're a guy, Definitely yes, not. but you know, you aren't really seeing a lot of people of color in that position, and then like also being from Oakland, having a team in oakland, like that's a huge you know connection i I felt the same. When I was on a Forbes list, I know how that sounds, but I think I was like no. one Over of the back. only few, I mean, I do. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I do. I realized <laughs> I forgot to, I forgot to put it on my wall and frame it. And I should probably get on. It's been two years. I should probably you get should on that. Do that. I should. Yeah. But I was one, if not the only, one of the very few disabled people on that list as a next 1000 entrepreneur. And so you know, these are wonderful opportunities to have, but also we have to acknowledge that it's a lot to, to carry because people are looking to you, for you. And then, you know, being a first is not fun. Um, and it's just better to be able to like show up and do your thing and not be the first woman soccer coach of Spain, you know, the first two black men that are in a quarterfinal just to be able to, to be.
2: But it goes back to that that thing I said a little bit earlier, which is um, if we only get one shot at this, you know. And I promised mm-hmm. myself too about I don't know, it was like ten years ago. I was like, I don't think I'll ever participate in anything or take on any project that doesn't provide some level of impact on the world. Absolutely. Period. Because I, I just first of all, I've seen too much shit. I'm an empath, so I feel pain a bit more deeply, and I feel like it's it's like it's my calling to try to try to be bigger than myself, you know. And I think yeah. these folks that you're talking about are just are that level of, of of even more amazing, which is like they're able to take on the voices of millions of people applying that pressure. And saying horrific things about them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get like one person saying a bad thing about me, thinking about how I can change their perception for the next week. You know, Mm -hmm. imagine having a million voices. (laughs) I mean, and then still going out there with the swagger and the confidence and playing a game. I mean, that's special. So,
1: and you're absolutely right on so many levels. Um, Coco Goff, during one of her pressers this week, She was like, people. I, you know, were asking her about why she advocates for herself and like black people, and she was like, "My grandmother integrated an all white school in Seacrest, Florida, six months after Ruby Bridges. So if she could do that, I can do that. I can use my platform, you know, (laughs) to do whatever." But you're like, it's one of the reasons why I started my own business because I wanted to be able to not be limited in a box right so you as a co-founder you have a lot of opportunity of purpose and you know all this stuff And my line of work if i didn't create a firm i wouldn't be able to have unlimited potential to to dismantle white supremacy or make workplaces better make the world you know um a better place yesterday i was having a crappy day this is a soft black woman moment where i'm just like why is this my life i i really do struggle it's a love-hate relationship with dismantling white supremacy and being known for that and being, um, inspirational to folks because I'm just myself. Um, but then I, Dr. Akilah Kadeh was invite. I'm, I'm the newest board member for the Oscar Grant foundation. And that, in that moment, like Forbes, this is very cool. But in that moment I was like, Oh, (laughs) by his mom. So yeah, I love her. There, Reverend Wanda Johnson is fantastic. I adore her, but like I, one of my first protests was the murder of her son, which was in um, it was January, uh, January first, um, two thousand nine, and you can use Google search tool to look at Oscar Grant, but he was shot on a platform and murdered on a platform, um, of our train system out here, Bay Area Rapid Transit or or, or Bart. And so I live downtown at the moment and I protest like that was like my first like I'm an adult's protest that I'm going to be part of and to be seen by his mother and his mother who's been seen by Beyonce. (laughs) What I don't even I got incredibly emotional because I work really hard to advocate for those individuals. Like, yeah, I do it in the corporate space, but we shouldn't have to. Black and brown people shouldn't have to be murdered by cops. We just we shouldn't have to be murdered by cops Um, when it comes down to it. Which is why I may not be at the game next week because I have to go to a gala. But um- <laughs> no, problem, no problem.
2: Definitely forgiven. <laughs> Congratulations, though. It's very difficult, and I know you're an empath as well. I mean, to be in this space, you <laughs> have know, to I be am. an empath. Uh, you're Virgo and all that, but like. I look, it's so difficult to operate and try to achieve success and like calibrate with your emotions and like validate what you're doing. And it's a very difficult life. And I, I even said this like during Michelle and I's vows, like, you know, life is not easy, but it really is up to us to remind ourselves of our wins and, and those wins help, uh, help motivate and fuel like the next thing. And, we are destination addicted. I know you and I, like whenever we accomplish something, like, (laughs) all right, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Like, it's okay to stop and be like, nah, that shit was kind of epic. And yes, it's full circle. And this is amazing. And soak in it. And then quickly learn how to not get too emotionally attached to it. Because when you do that, I think that's when you, you start to crave the, the outcome versus the journey. And Mm -hmm. so there's this delicate balance of like, what I've accomplished is amazing, but, you know, nothing fruitful is not difficult. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or however, whatever the phrase is, but like the point is, is if you want to accomplish shit, that's amazing. It's going to be highly difficult and you have to almost like build the tough skin to, to get through it and not get addicted to the outcome, you know, but- right now yeah, congratulations you know you've Thank accomplished you. a lot and you know it's like what's the next amazing thing you're going to do you know i'm excited mm-hmm. to I'm see i'm trying
1: to work with beyonce that's the goal i'm going to work with beyonce i don't try I it's do. going to happen yeah well you know it's it's what keeps me going on the the difficult days it's like it's fine it's it's all going to make sense
2: <laughs> one yeah, day sure.
1: uh empathy being an empath is not fun for the empaths out there so Uh, The soft black woman is reminding you to say, no, you don't have to do things, protect your space, leave. Um, Also very, very helpful. But um, I would like to share how funny the two of us are together because we're always thinking about each other where we will not do anything because we care more about the other person. So case in point, at the Crest launch, there was one chair in the media room. (laughs) (laughs) Idris wanted me to sit into the chair because he's very mindful of my disability. I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. You're the one who's working the laptop. He's like, no, 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 you sit down. Went back and forth. Neither of us sat in the chair for the rest of the night because we <laughs> wanted to make sure that the other person was taken care of. And so this is the reminder to us to allow people to do things for us. And maybe, maybe just one day we'll be able to be like, okay, Akila will do something for you, Idris, and Idris will do something for us That's a goal. Let's see if we can work on that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. I'm not confident about it in full transparency. <laughs> okay, so this is my favorite segment Sounds About White. Um, it's a part of the show where we highlight a news story featuring the latest in white privilege. This week, <sighs> this week is Vivek Ramaswamy. He called Rep Ayana Presley and Ibram X. Kendi, the author of How to Be Anti-Racist and many other profound books, Modern Grand Wizards of the Modern KKK. Oh. So. Mm-hmm, hmm 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 Yep, um, yep, yes. So um, he said, we all agree that the KKK was an awful organization. That is a toxic stain in our national history. So given that, We can start from the point of agreement. Now, that allows us to say, well, who actually sounds more like an organization today? The people who are calling for more racial discrimination on the basis of skin color. He further doubled down and said, what I said is (laughs) the grand wizards of the KKK would be proud of what they would hear her say because there's nothing more racist than saying that your skin color predicts something about the content of your viewpoint. So some of you were like, mm, Vivek is not white. Well, white supremacy does not judge. It shows up anywhere. And Vivek has been saying and doing a lot of horrible, horrible, horrible things. Um, so um, <laughs> Presley said um, in, a, in a recent interview on NBC's Politics Nation, and one of my childhood memories that is deeply embedded in my own ancestors and living family members have been brutalized, lynched, raped by the Ku Klux Klan, aka the KKK. I recall when my family member had moved into a predominantly white cul-de-sac in the '80s when I was a child, and we had a cross burned in our lawn. My friend, Hi, Alencia, Alencia Johnson, uh, said that so many of our Black women leaders already have targets on their back, and I feel that on so many levels, but to be in a position for Ayana Presley, who has been doing incredible work for uh, BIPOC people, Black people, people living with alopecia, she's done so much. To be compared as a grand wizard of KKK, the very organization that has brutalized Lynch and raped members in her family and her ancestors, is one of the worst white supremacist types of things that can happen. <laughs>
2: Goodness gracious.
1: hmm hmm uh, This is uh, also uh, this week, uh, 2023, 20, <laughs> that this is happening. And so people think. Yeah. Like, they don't get it. Like, this is now. We haven't even, this is just the start of the intensification of the presidential election. Next year, I don't even really know how to prepare for what we're going to experience next year. Yeah.
2: And the crazy thing, this is why I don't really mess around with politics too much is because it's a slimy, slimy space. And secondly, you have people that have horribly dangerous and violent platforms that are given more amplification. Mm -hmm. And that, that's the thing for me that's actually even more scary. It's like, I know there's bad people in this world. Like there's good and bad. We all understand that. And it's a reality. The crazy thing is, is that these, these bad folks are given like the platform to like amplify. And then they're supported by other bad people. And then they're Mm -hmm. given the ability to speak on platforms. And then those platforms domino into other things. And it's just like, yeah, there's a, there's probably a, sweet person in the middle of america doing amazing work to help build the country and they're just given zero identity mm-hmm. zero platform zero ability to get their voice onto to the real world i mean scary very
1: scary yeah. um people would ask me all the time like you should be a politician i was like no can't do that i'm my true authentic self i say bitch fuck ho so i don't see yeah. how i I don't see how that's going to work for me. Um, I also, I don't sell (laughs) myself. So, you know, I'm not saying that of all politicians, but it's hard to be in that space. It's very
2: hard, yeah. Like incredibly hard.
1: Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, for people who do things like Presley, you know, AOC, like it's incredibly hard to do that. When you bring in the intersectionality of being a woman of color, on top of it, it's even, it's even harder. But for the listeners who are like, again, Vivek is not white, the way white supremacy works is being the best superior supreme. He has visualized and viewed his life and lived his life as a heterosexual, cisgender, non-disabled white man. He sees that benefit. He sees the value that he gets from those individuals and part of the Republican Party. So he's going to do anything he can to be provocative to feed into it, not realizing that the KKK also doesn't want him to exist. And yes, the KKK does exist, like many other white dominant culture centered organizations, and that is what we call self hate. I think he's a piece of shit amongst lots of other people who uphold values of white supremacy um, for their own personal benefit. That creates further harm, and um, you know, fake news. Um, yeah. So
2: detached ass guy. That's another mm-hmm. thing too. Is like when someone's not connected to the streets and or their own culture and identity and spend way too long separated from that. Um, You get lost in the sauce of whiteness, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. It's crazy.
1: Facts. So to wrap up, we talk about a soft black woman of the week. And this is where we highlight a black woman who's being soft in the world. And to no one's surprise, the soft black woman of the week is, Rapiana Presley. She said, um, so for me, as deeply shameful and offensive and dangerous as his Vivek words are, he is not occupying any real estate in my mind. I want to break that down for people. Real estate. When people, you know, Dries brought this up, you can have that question, that thought, that experience, that moment, live rent free in your head. She is not, or mortgage-free. She is not allowing that to happen. She continued by saying, I remain squarely focused on the work of undoing the centuries of harm that has precisely been done to Black Americans and charting a path of true restorative justice and racial justice for it. So I want to remind everyone, this Black woman who is called a grand wizard for the KKK receives death threats on the regular, is not giving this real estate space in her mind and still unwavered path towards advocating for my life as a Black American. I'm a Haitian American, but whatever. I have a whole bunch of issues with America. but um, And that is how, even amongst something incredibly difficult, how softness can come up for anyone, in this case, for a uh, Black woman. So um, I also want to throw out a little bit of softness to the Oakland soul because our very first women's soccer season happened this year, and they made it to the playoffs by beating the undefeated team, who they had to play in the first round of playoffs and lost to. But they made it to the playoffs, and so yeah. very excited for year number two uh, with our our women's team. Me
2: too. Yeah, they're really the <laughs> the heart and soul. Like it's been an absolute joy to see the team. Come to life and then do it in the way. I mean, every game, okay, you could vouch for it. Every game was like, you just felt the love from the players and they understood the importance of that for Oakland, you know, and the young girls and women that are operating in our city and are trying to accomplish something. Again, my mm-hmm. sister is a great example. Like, she had to go overseas because the opportunities in America were, were bleak. There was no professional mm-hmm. pathway in the bay. And there's a lot of youth clubs and collegiate stuff, but she had to go overseas. And then after she retired, she had, you know, had to start life over.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. And to me, that was like, how, how does a woman at the highest level in the world have to like start her life over when <laughs> a man find a job. in that same yeah. position <laughs> yeah, would be sitting on millions of dollars and would be killing for the rest of their lives? So, you know, Messy it's- much? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. Um, But, you know, and that's, I think Seoul is at the start of that, but we're going to start to see hundreds of other teams pop up. We're going to start to see the system build back up in a way that's meaningful. And we're going to have to. The world is catching up in the women's game. And so America has to reinvent itself. And I think we're at the cusp of that. Seoul is so exciting.
1: In the words of Beyonce, America has a problem. (laughs) So watch out, women's soccer. It's happening, world. Um, how are you going to bring softness into this week for yourself?
2: I think um, the conversation you just had really enlightened me about not allowing people to live in my head and <laughs> occupy space. Like if, if millions of people are contacting this individual and are, are harmful and are violent and, and, you know, she's just moving and not mm-hmm. allowing that to affect and influence. Mm-hmm. I think my ability to block two or three voices or whatnot is totally possible, you know? And so I'm going to try to do that. Um, I think being kind to yourself is just, you know, just having confidence in yourself and not second guessing your decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing what, what you believe is right for you to get to where you're going and just not, not thinking twice about it and being unapologetic. I think the last thing too is like, I spend too much of my life trying to be an epitomized version of myself. I'm a, a perfectionist. I'm an OCD driven guy. I have it horribly. Like, I want to be the best at everything. I want to be perfect at everything, even if it's like opening a, a door. I want to open it perfectly. And that's how bad my OCD was at one point. But like, you know, and I've now manifested that in other domains and sometimes even in my work. And so, I think for me it's just like, how do you move in the world and make decisions and accomplish things without looking back and saying, I regret that or could I have done it better? Like it just is what it is and just keep it moving. Every moment is new. And so I'm gonna try to remind myself this week, and that's how that's how I'm gonna go about it.
1: I love that. I like to say I lived a I live a blocked and unbothered life. So I get a lot of I get a lot of stuff on social media and things that people want to tell me. And I'm just like, Oh, no, no, that's not going to come in here. You know, I can literally physically block someone on social media or I can, you know, block them in, in real life. And as, as a recovering perfectionist (laughs) myself, um, it helps. And when I get into the position of like having a spin or a loop or something going in my head, like, constantly nonstop that's when it's like okay well i need to how do i need i need to get to blocked and bothered. i need to make that happen you know um and yeah it's it's practice but lean into your softness i like for my softness everyone knows i saw beyonce twice so what i've been doing is allowing myself to Mm. just do the dance routine or blurt out the line or the phrase of the song I can't not do that. But my real softness is last night, um, I no longer have a depression pile. So I've been talking about my depression pile in a couple of episodes, but it's just where all shit goes. Swag, suitcases, (laughs) apparently alcohol. Whatever I've been given has gone in this pile because I've been traveling a lot and Um, A lot of you know I had to put my dog down and my health has not been that great and I just haven't had the space or capacity or physical energy to do it. But last night, I have a whole ass floor. I can, the before and after, I'm going to send it to you because it will make you uncomfortable, then you'll be happy. Um, I'm just very proud of myself. So now when I go into my room, I have more space. And one thing people do, particularly me with major depressive disorder, is that the space also kind of shows what's happening in your head. And I've literally freed up space in my physical space, which can free up space in my head. So Mm. I can get back to tapping into some more joy. So to the listeners, if you check out the athletic, there's a wonderful article that is out um, talking about the Oakland roots and soul and yours truly is also part of it. But can you tell people how they can find you, the sports club, give us all the info.
2: For sure. Um, So, you know, if you want to connect at any point in the future, I'm always down. I love uh, cross-pollinating and getting ideas out into the real world. And so, again, please connect with me. Um, you can just look me up with my first name, i and probably one of the very few with that <laughs> spelling, U-D-R-E-E-C-D. Uh, I'm all, on all socials. So, again, appreciate the connections. Um, and for Oakland Roots and soul, I mean – Look, I, I think the ask would be to, you know, support us, uh, follow us, um, engage with us and help build one of the more iconic purpose oriented sports organizations in the States. Um, we got massive movement movements happening here in the next month. And um we invite everyone to be a part of that, participate in our community investment round, become owners of a pro sports team and, um, Yeah, just help us change the game and and the way people think about pro sports. So look us up.
1: Give us the team handles.
2: Yeah, Oakland Roots SC and Oakland Soul SC. Give us a search on all platforms. They'll pop up.
1: Follow, share. Well, that is it for today's episode. Be sure to join Soft Black Women Club by leaving us a rating and review on Apple and Spotify and follow the Us Up podcast wherever you're listening we'll have new episodes of soft black woman every single friday so be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss our next episode as you know you can follow me at change cadet change c-a-d-e-t and follow at betches underscore news on instagram and tiktok until next week stay soft and keep being amazing soft black woman is produced by amanda duberman rebecca Salzmancat, and sean kilby editing by rebecca Salzmancat. guest booking by ali friedlander Social media by Amanda Duberin and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails on SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.